The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. We've discovered the world's best craftsmen and techniques. Using materials native to the region and tools accustomed to individual craftsmen, we strive for perfection every step of the way. With all of this, you'll see the details of your own story, the story of a life well-crafted. This is the story Craft tells. Welcome to the House of Roll. of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? This is my country. Populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. And welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. There are a whole lot of people in politics and in the media whose purpose is to inflame your passions rather than to reason with you. My purpose is different. I've come to inform you, to give you information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events and encourage you to act on your judgment. We all know that as a businesswoman, I look at the numbers. And the numbers in the news this week, well, there's only one that's really important. This morning, the important number is 25%. 25%. That's the percentage of Californians who will not vote in next year's presidential primary because they've told the registrar of voters they have no party preference. Our guest this morning is Jim Rex, and Jim is here to tell us that there is a third way for today's political orphans, that that people like you and I can be relevant again without surrendering to the extremes. Jim has had a long career at the University of of South Carolina and then followed that with a term as South Carolina Superintendent of Education, working closely with then Republican Governor Mark Sanford. Jim was a candidate for governor of South Carolina in 2010. And since that time, he's worked tirelessly to create a viable alternative, a third way to restore sensible centrist government. First in South Carolina, and now he's taking that that aim and that message across the country. He's instrumental in building momentum around a new Alliance Party. Good morning, Jim. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Joyce. Thank you for having me. I appreciate everything you are doing and have done with the Reimagine America. Oh, thank you. We we are trying our our best here to be sensible centrists. And and when you read through the Alliance Party uh, platform, it is the most sensible, calming, centrist view of American politics. And I think it's where people would like to be around their dinner table instead of where they are. You know, that's, um, 
<clears throat> we've been we've been struggling with this mightily for some time now. Would you agree? Well, Joyce, I do, and, and I think that's where Americans are around the dinner table. The only time we're not, you know, looking at each other and talking and listening to one another is when we get in the political arena, and that's because of the way our two parties uh, position uh, their candidates and the way they position themselves when it comes to electing and reelecting those candidates. So, um, you know, we're, we're just not, we're not naturally normally a divided nation. We certainly aren't in our communities and our, in our families, but our political structure has created that. Um, I would agree with you, but we're seeing a shift in that political structure. We've seen a, a steady decline um, in party registration since 1990 and an increase in you know, whether you're called an independent or no party preference or whatever, about 42% of the electorate now do not align themselves from a, uh, you know, from from a a wish point of view. We're not talking about the choices they get at the ballot, but where they want to be in the center of American politics, about 42% of today's Registered voters are either independent or no party preference, depending on how their state calls them. Um, and it's been a steady erosion, especially from until 2016. It's been principally an erosion from Republicans who've been increasingly um, doctrinaire rather than pragmatic. But we're seeing it even now from the Democrats. Well, first of all, that you're right. That's the new majority. Um, that you know, that's a larger percentage than people who self-identify as either Republicans or Democrats. So Correct. that's the new majority, which really has uh, no option in in most cases on the ballot. The other number that just came out, you know, we're three hours ahead of you here in South Carolina. So I was able to see some of the morning talk shows this morning on uh, TV TV mm-hmm. networks, and uh, there's a new poll out that is the largest number ever uh, for Americans who say it is time for a third party, and that number is now 38%. So that we've never had that many Americans, over a third of us now, saying this is ridiculous. We need another choice, another approach to politics. So, yeah, the, the environment is changing dramatically, and uh, those numbers show that. I, I think you're right, and, and another number that will help to to just solidify that for the listening audience is that uh, in 1992, when uh, Clinton was elected as a minority vote president, uh, he got like 40% of the vote, that Perot's take was under 19%. So 38% without a candidate, without anything to focus around as the Alliance Party will give them, are saying they want a different way. That makes me optimistic that perhaps perhaps this can move faster than um, than your conservative estimate of, of a candidate in 2024. Well, yeah, it can. And, you know, whether it's a presidential candidate or it moves uh, faster at the state level or in Congress, you know, we'll see where those opportunities actually actually end up being. But, you know, there's been a number of books written in the last decade or so about the uh, tipping point, how change kind of 
appears to be slowly occurring until it reaches a certain critical mass, and then all of a sudden it seems like it happens very quickly. And, you know, you can think of lots of things in America. For example, the, the whole national attitude about uh, gay rights. Correct. You know, that looked like that was never going to change, and then wham, it changed all of a sudden. And I think the same thing is going to happen uh, with our political structure. The vast majority of Americans, in poll after poll after poll, are saying that neither party represents their interests. Uh, they, they realize that uh, they are not being counted or, or listened to in the system the way it's set up now. It's a rigged system that doesn't account for them. And, uh, you know, maybe Donald Trump's uh, election was partly a uh, sort of a perverted uh, outcome of that, that feeling of alienation and disenchantment. But um, this can't continue. This level of dissatisfaction with this two-party system just cannot continue. There will be a change. Hopefully it will be a constructive, peaceful change. And that's partly why the Alliance Party is in existence. Oh, well, you mean I'm not the only person who thinks, oh, my God, what could happen? Um, you know, I mean, if you one poll I read this morning, because uh, <clears throat> I'll fess up, I watch those TV shows after I do this show, um, was uh, a Wall Street Journal poll that says Trump's approval rate rating last week was up to 46 percent, which is in consistent with um, other two term presidents. Um, and frankly, I don't believe the country can stand in this um, do loop of investigation and hysteria for another five and a half years. You know. Well, I had I had the same I had the same concerns you have, Joyce, and a lot of Americans are expressing it differently, but they're all saying essentially the same thing. They're concerned about the direction of the country. They're concerned about how divided we are as a, as a nation, and this division. Uh, you really can't overstate the significance of it and the danger of it. Our, our enemies understand it. You know, whether it's Russia or any of the others that want to see us uh, not prosper, they realize our greatest weakness is our division, the fact that we do not work together as a team. I, you were talking about my background when you introduced me. I, I used to be a high school English teacher and a football coach also. Mm. And uh, and any reason I mention that is anybody who, who looks at, team sports or competition of any kind really understands that when you put a divided team in any in any endeavor up against a united team bet on the united team every time divided teams don't win and america is a divided team and it's divided and it's playing against united teams like you know russia china india north korea you know run down the list of all the competitors we have on the world stage. And here we are, this, this great country, this great powerful country, that's so busy fighting among ourselves because, again, of the way our two political parties uh, rule and also the way they, they run for office, that uh, we are weakening ourselves in a way that no external en- enemy could ever accomplish. I think you're absolutely and, right. Uh, and on that note, and on that note... We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and talk about how those divisions, how politicians use those divisions, and what the consequences are. You're listening to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, 
Joyce Cordy. And we're back with Jim Rex, the energy that is uh, behind the new Alliance Party. Um, And as we went to break, Jim and I were just starting to talk about how the divisions we're experiencing weaken us. Um, And and I think you're absolutely right that um, if you if you look at the um, Democratic primary as it's beginning to shape up, um, it, it has two marked characteristics. How much can we give you for free? And, you know, you and I are both old enough to know there is no, no such thing as free. Um, and, and it's also about how do we divide you up by gender, by race, by whatever. I mean, America's strength has always been in being a melting pot. You know, Charlie Cook of the of the um, National Review, who is English, right, who's a naturalized American, says nobody comes to America wanting to be, not wanting to be American. So what's happened to us and how do we, you know, what those divisions, in my view, are not just national security issues, but they weaken our us economically and socially. Um, and where do we go from here? Because I don't think the majority of Americans want that. No, they don't. I don't. I know you don't. And I'll bet most of your listeners don't. Uh, we have sort of an inherent understanding that when you deal with big, urgent, complicated problems, you need to work together. You need to find common ground, find consensus, and, you know, be pragmatic problem solvers, which is not what we see any longer. Um, we're no longer a melting pot, as you said. We're now more like an octagon. If you're familiar with with the fighting cages mm-hmm. on television, yeah, and you know the parties are responsible for that. They're responsible for it because of the way they run for office and the way they keep their incumbents in office and the way they hang on to power. And um, you know, division works well for them, and it does not work well for the country. Um, I think Americans are ready for another choice, another approach to politics on the ballot, a different type of candidate. Um, the Alliance Party, you know, there's there's no magic about, or, or it was not an accident that we chose that name, the Alliance Party. You know, embedded in that name is the first three letters, all. We're all in this together. And even the, the synonym ally, that we have to stop viewing ourselves as adversaries. We need to start viewing ourselves as allies who should be working together toward the perfection of this of this great idea called America. And uh, it won't happen unless we do that. It won't happen unless we have leaders that do that. And I know you've mentioned uh, President T- Trump a couple of times. Um, you know, I started this journey after being in office for four years as a constitutional officer elected in South Carolina. And from inside the sausage fam- factory, I saw how bad it really is. And it's gotten worse. I was elected back in 2006, and I was a constitutional officer, secretary of education for four years, 2007 to 2011. And I saw the career politicians in both parties worship the God of reelection. It was the top priority. Everything else was a distant second. And that makes sense because, by definition, you cannot be a career politician unless you do what? Get reelected. Re-elected right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's the top priority. So we, we need 
we need to think about the way this thing all started, you know, with the founding fathers. They didn't envision uh, career politicians to stay in there for 30 years. They, they envisioned, as you well know, Joyce, because I've heard you talk about it, they envisioned citizen, uh, citizen legislators, people who came in for a term or two or three, made a difference, tried to make things better in their community or their state or their nation, and then went back home. You know, Thomas Jefferson went back to his farm. They, they um, saw these people never go back home. Yeah. The, the founding fathers saw service as an obligation, not a vocation. There's nothing in the United States Constitution that requires two parties. As a matter of fact, if you read the Federalist Papers or you read George Washington's farewell address, the last thing they wanted this country to have was a system dependent on two major parties. You're right. In George Washington's uh, last public statement, he warned about political parties. And he predicted that if we had them, they would become more concerned about their own desires and needs than the desires and needs of the nation. You're absolutely... I remind people that George Washington never told a lie. (laughs) And George Washington was prophetic. He sure was. As you and I both know, because we've both studied American history. Um, So, uh, and and a very good example of what you are talking about, about the first priority of all politicians to get reelected. And we had a conversation off the air before we started about a couple of current members of the um, Republican Party and and their sometimes... um, you know, people that that I've known and uh, one of them that Jim knows um, for many years. And and sometimes it's hard to recognize their public personas um, in the in in conforming. And and so sometimes I think our elected politicians and this is one of the reasons that I think the Alliance Party is so important is that right now so much of our politics is driven by. Uh, the thing that Thomas Jefferson most feared, what what he called the mob, uh, Jacksonian democracy, which, by the way, is what my undergraduate degree is in, um, is um, it is is the rabble choosing the representative was their fear. That was why they wanted the House to have two-year terms and the Senate to have six-year terms so that the Senate could act as a break on the House, but the people would have direct representation. You know, that's the basis of the republic rather than a direct democracy. But what I see in politicians today is they fail to lead. You know, the dependency on getting reelected, they fail to lead. They don't they don't tell people to aspire to be their better selves. They say, okay, we'll conform to your anger. Anger works, unfortunately, just like, uh, you know, negative campaigning works, unfortunately, because it appeals to the, as you said, not our better side, but our, our uh, least desirable side. And we've got to find leaders who, who do that. I, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in term limits, and the Alliance Party is also. So one of the many, many, many things that's different about the approach that we're talking about with the new Alliance Party is that uh, we are looking for candidates who are driven and motivated by public service, not by wanting to have a long career as an elected official. And that makes a that makes a big difference because 
you suddenly have people that are willing to risk re-election in order to do the right thing. In other words, if you if you go in knowing you're not going to make a career out of it, and you uh, have to take a stand on something that matters, a matter of principle that's, that's the right thing for the majority of people in the country, and you realize it may not be popular with a particular base or a demographic, and may not even allow you to be reelected, you're willing to do that because you're not giving up a career that you don't aspire to anyway. Right. In other words, you are not running for office in order to pay your mortgage. And I want you to hold that thought because we're going to go take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of how the Alliance Party is going from being an idea to a thing. Back to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with Jim Rex of the Alliance Party. And just before we went to break, we were talking about our broken political system. And and I'm just sitting here during break looking at, um, you know, you said, Jim, the the top priority of politicians is getting reelected. So look at who's running for president. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Sherrod Brown, and Amy Klobuchar all got reelected in 2018. They can very safely run for president in 2020, um, and and not and and feel no consequences. The only person who has to worry about it is actually Cory Booker, um, because he has to make a decision to either run for his Senate seat or or drop, you know, or or run for president. And everybody else is a termed out governor. None of these, all these people are running for a higher office while knowing that they will be safely on the taxpayer's dole when it's all over. And what yeah, you're looking, exactly. and, and what you're looking for in the Alliance Party and what I have espoused for many years, both on the air and in print, is we need people who run because they want to serve, not be served. You're exactly right. And you know, the Alliance Party, which I'll tell you a little bit about here in a second, because it's much, much, much more than just a good idea. Um, you know, our three words that kind of capture our, our philosophy, our governing philosophy, is unity, community, and responsibility. And all of that is based eventually on having the right kind of candidates and getting the right kind of people elected to office. And then the proof in the pudding, of course, is how those people behave, what kinds of results they accomplish while they're in office. If they don't do things differently than what we have now, then there's no point in doing all the work that, that's going into this party. This party is an amazing initiative. It's been in existence for four months, just a, a few days more than four months. We already have 22 states organized, filed and legally organized, uh, including California, by the way. Ooh. Uh, you're going to tell our, us more about that. <laughs> yeah, I will. Just a second. And, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we're on track to having all 50 states organized and, and legally filed by the end of 2020. So this is a fast track, and it's a fast track for lots of reasons. You know, the urgency of the problems that you and I have just been talking about, the dissatisfaction of the American people. But the, the main reason it's moving so fast, amazingly so to me, is that people are ready for it. They are ready for a different approach, uh, a different choice, a different option. 
In, in uh, California, the uh, state chair of the Alliance Party is a gentleman named Chris Dawes, D-A-W-E-S, and his email is ca.dallianceparty.com. If you don't mind, I'll say it again. ca.dallianceparty.com. And while I'm thinking about it, the national uh, website is theallianceparty.com. And you have to put the in there because, as you know, Joyce, we talked about this earlier. If you don't put the Alliance Party, you're likely to end up on the wrong website because there are some other websites out there that have the word alliance in it. And we're so new that you may be taken to the wrong source. So please put the AllianceParty.com. And more than that, if, if if, if the site that comes up is not a bright shade of yellow, you're in the wrong place. Because right. there, there right. is another thing called the Alliance Party USA, and there's also an Irish Alliance Party. So it's easy to get yes. confused. Yes, and we're not international yet. We're, we're going to work on the 50 states to start with. I, I think but, that'll uh, keep you busy for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it sure will. And, and one of the reasons it keeps us busy is, and you know this, but some of your listeners may not, the Republican and Democratic parties over the years have put in all kinds of onerous protectionist laws in all 50 states. Both of those parties and their representatives say, and I used to be a member of one of those parties. Yes, so um, was they I. Say, they say they support competition. They think they say the competition is a good thing. <laughs> but they make one exception for that, and that's themselves. They do not want competition on the ballot. They've got a great gig going. You know, you take power for a while, and I'll oppose everything you stand for. And then I get my turn, and you oppose everything I stand for, and we go back and forth. And Americans are finally catching on to the scam of these two parties. So um, what we're trying to do is to obviously break that up and give people a chance to break that. And and I, I want to say something about President Trump, if I can, Joyce. Sure. I, I got I got involved in, in in trying to help change the system, along with a lot of other people, by the way. You, you gave me some credit at the front end that I appreciated, but... There's a lot of people involved with this, over 100 volunteers at the, at the national level. Uh, Brian Mistro, who is a businessman from the state of Washington, is the uh, national chair. I'm one of the two vice chairs. But um, a lot of people working on it, and it is, um, it's something that started long before Donald Trump ever came on the scene. And we, we're, we're, not, you know, we're not never Trumpers. Uh, one way I like to say this to people is, don't hate the player. Hate the game. It's the game that is wrong. It's the game that's rigged. And, you know, Donald Trump can go away tomorrow, and we're still going to have the same set of problems. Absolutely. And in fact, if he's not president, I think there's a very good chance he'll be more of a problem because he'll be unfettered by the presidency and all these, uh, these nasty uh, laws to try to constrain him. Um, and he'll take his money and his... Uh, followers, whatever that percent really is in America, and uh, God only knows the kind of damage he can do. So the system is what we should be focused on. Uh, Donald Trump is a, is a, is a symptom. Mm-hmm. He's not the problem that mm-hmm. we're all trying to deal with. And so that's really an important basis of, of what we're trying to do with the Alliance Party. We're, uh, we're trying to be in that broad center, as you said. I, as I mentioned, I used to be a football coach and 
and I also used to be an English teacher, so I like metaphors, and I like to use the football field. You know, most Americans are not in one end zone or the other. They're in, in between the 30-yard lines. Correct. And they, and, they move, and they move back and forth depending upon the particular issue that's being you know, discussed or the problem that's trying to be solved. You know, if, if it's on financial responsibility, they might slide a little bit more down to one end of the field, the more quote-unquote conservative side. If it's on a social issue, they might slide a little bit further down the other end of the field on, on the so-called progressive or liberal side, whatever you know, name you want to put on it. Mm-hmm. But most of us stay in that broad center, which is where you can solve problems, reach consensus, and you don't have to end up hating your fellow American in the process. That's what I think we're all hungry for, and that's what the Alliance Party is going to be bringing to the ballot. And and how are you planning to uh, – you have ballot access in California now? No, we do not. And not in California, all of the states have uh, ridiculous uh, obstructions to having competition with the Republicans and Democrats. Some are worse than others. In South Carolina, we have ballot access. But as it turns out, in South Carolina, we had a fairly low threshold. We had to get uh, 10,000 registered voters to sign a petition. Uh, we ended up with 16,000. This was back in 2013. So even back then, we had a lot of people who were sick of having the lesser of two evils choice always presented to them. Um, and then once we got on the ballot, we stayed on the ballot as long as we put candidates. We've had over 20 candidates in our uh, general and, and special elections. So once you're on the ballot in South Carolina, you stay on as long as you have viable candidates who are running. Uh, some states, and California is one of them, there are others that are even worse, make it extremely difficult and expensive on purpose to get on the ballot and compete with the Republicans and Democrats. We're in the process of beginning that, that ballot access uh, uh, procedure. And, um, you know, we're hoping that by 2020 we'll have it. If we don't have it, if we don't have the party per se on the ballot, we will nonetheless be organized and we will have candidates. I know we're going to have at least one candidate for the U.S. Congress already, and we'll probably have a lot more by 2020. Those candidates will run as Alliance Party candidates in California, even though they may have to be listed as an independent candidate on the uh, on the ballot. Well, in Cal- we'll, we'll be there in California. Um, except in the presidential primary, we have what are called jungle primaries. So it's top two finisher. So if you can run a really great candidate, um, as we've seen in some districts in California, it is possible to uh, there. There is a hunger for um, because we did this by initiative. We did the jungle primary by initiative to break the the power of the two party system. Uh, we failed in that in that intent, but we've created the vehicle. So, if the right candidates were running, I think you could be optimistic that at least in some of the urban counties in California, you could make a difference. Well, we think we can, and uh, you know the the two parties are scared to death of competition. They've seen the polls that you and I have been talking about earlier in your program. They, they know what's happening out there in America, the sentiment that's building up against them. And I'm not a fortune teller, but I'm pretty sure about this prediction. As far as the Alliance Party is concerned, by 2020, we should be the third largest political party in the country. We'll, we'll be bigger, quote unquote, more critical mass than um, either the Libertarians or the Green Party. That's not our goal to be the 
third largest party. Our goal is to be the most influential party in America, period. But we're not going to be there by 2020. But, um, you know, we, we know that uh, the, the time is right for this and that um, we, we're going to begin to challenge the duopoly, the monopoly that these two parties have. And when we do that, it's pretty predictable what will happen. The first stage of resistance to us will be trying to ignore us. They'll try to pretend we don't exist. Uh, that will go away, just like all of these other attempts, for the most part, have in the past. You mentioned the Whigs back in the 1800s, but really, they, they've been—they pretty much have had a monopoly for well over a hundred years. Yes. They think it'll go away. They hope they hope it'll go away. Then, when we start challenging them and start winning, uh, as we will, their their second stage of resistance will be to attack us. And by the way, that will be a day for celebration for us. And speaking, because when they start attacking us, that tells us. What we want to hear, which is they're worried, they're scared. By God, there really is going to be competition. And and speaking of attacks, we're going to do two things. We're going to take the break, and then we're going to give folks the call-in number, and we'll see what kind of response we get. You're listening to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host... Joyce Cordy. And we're talking with Jim Rex of the Alliance Party. And so we're going to be uh, continuing our conversation here. You think there will be attacks from the two establishment parties as you grow? Um, oh, yes. That's, that's predictable. Um, first, first is ignore. Then once we start to be competitive, they'll attack us. The third one, which I didn't get a chance to say before the break, Joyce is, and this is the one I worry most about. Once we start winning, they'll start co-opting our ideas. They'll try to sound like us. They'll try to uh, give the impression that there's no real difference. Uh, that's what has always happened in the past, and that's what they'll try to do again. I think things like term limits, transparency, requiring uh, elected officials to annually publicly uh, uh, show what their outside sources of income are, both the source and the amount. The sorts of things that we stand for, uh, accepting no dark money, are the things that those two parties are not willing to do now. But if it's a matter of survival, they'll begin to try to uh, you know, absorb and adopt some of those same approaches, which will be good for America. But I hope that the American people don't fall for that because it'll be a it'll be it's sort of like the um, senator you were alluding to earlier. They'll change for the next election cycle, just like a chameleon does to try to look like what they think is necessary to get reelected, and then they'll revert right back to what they've been doing. Um, I think you're absolutely right I, they, that they will um, do exactly what they've been doing, you know, when you say take dark money out. Have you ever noticed, you know, when, when we have one of these government shutdowns, no budget, no pay gets discussed, you know? Oh, we have to pass a law that says Congress doesn't get paid when there's a shutdown, blah, blah, blah. And the minute the shutdown's over, silence. We finally solved that problem in California. <clears throat> the voters did it. Uh, Jim. Yeah. Okay, two questions. Yeah. First one, you're for term limits. What about age limits? We have uh, some senators, like we have uh, Feinstein here, who's going to term out when she's 92. 
We've got uh, a lot of senators that are in their their mid to to late 80s. We had Robert Byrd, who served until what? He was like 92. I feel like some of these these uh, legislators are are a little bit too old and a little bit out of touch. And um, me being from the from Generation X, I kind of feel like the greatest generation and the boomers have had a monopoly on the legislative branch and uh, are pretty much going to, you know, they're going to die in place. They're going to die in place. And we're, we're not going to get, uh, you know, our, our, our chance, our shot uh, before they go. Uh, is this Vince? Yes. Yeah. Oh, OK. Hey, Vince. Um, well, first of all, I. I partly agree with you, um, although there is something called wisdom that sometimes does come along with age. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But there's also, you know, people go senile, people lose touch. Right. Okay. Um, you know, there's well, there's people that are in their 50s that have plenty of wisdom. Yeah, I agree. And, of course, remember now, I, I'm from the state that had Strom Thurmond, who was in office when he was 100 years old. So I exactly know what you're talking about. I think that problem will resolve itself if we have term limits. Um you know, if you have, and let me just tell you what we did in South Carolina. We, we, we don't put term limits on local races, you know, if they're mayor, city council, school board, all that sort of thing, where people are, are really close to their constituents. We don't put term limits on that. But we had a total of 12 years in any combination of offices, and that's because there are two-year, four-year, and six-year terms, depending on the office you're, you're, you're running for. We excluded from that the governorship and the presidency. Uh, most governorships are already term limited. Of course, the presidency is. So if you, if you start attracting people who are going in to politics because they're interested in public service and they're, they're willing to abide by a, a limit that would um, make them stay in no longer than much more than a decade, in this case, 12 years, I don't think you're going to have the problem of what the age that you were just describing. There aren't going to be many people who are going to run for office the first time in their 70s. What happens is they get in at these younger ages, and because of the power of the incumbency, it's easy to stay in. You know, more than 90% of our incumbents are returned every election cycle across the nation. So once you get the power of the incumbency, you get the money, you get the name recognition, you get the gerrymandering, you put all that in place, why wouldn't you stay there until retirement and beyond? Because it's so easy to do. So uh, term limits will take care of the concerns I think you have about age. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that through. I, that, that makes sense. My other question is, so what is – this isn't the first time we've had a centrist party. The unity party comes to mind. So what is it about the alliance party that is, that is going to be different than these other previous incarnations of centrist parties? Well, one of the problems with – you know, again, I go back, I used to be an English teacher, so excuse me but for this, but, you know, the words, these, the words that we try to use, conservative, uh, liberal, progressive, uh, centrist, really do us as much, uh, you know, injustice as they do justice, because they, don't, they don't, really don't grasp it. But one of the problems with the word centrist is a lot of people think that you're sort of, you don't stand for anything. You know, you're, you're always going to compromise. You're going to be on the middle on every issue. If you go to our website, theallianceparty.com, you'll see some tenets with some very bold initiatives about how to save the Social Security program. Uh, you know, what to, Joyce mentioned earlier, the government shutdown and the fact that our congressmen and their staffs continue to be paid 
uh, we have a specific uh, recommendation for legislation in there that says they would be required to stay in Washington to be in session during a government uh, shutdown and to receive no compensation during that time. So when you look at us, yeah, we're, we're centrist in terms of being pragmatic problem solvers, but we're not centrist in terms of not taking bold positions on initiatives. And I think that's what people want. They want these problems to start getting solved. They want to see progress made. And that, I think, is one of the things that sets us aside. I think that's true. But but one thing that one thing that worries me, I mean, remember that only 26.3% of the electorate actually elected Donald Trump. Um, one of the things that that worries me is the fact that people live such high pressure lives in this country um, that things like the national debt, which is probably the greatest national security um, threat we we have. Uh, people just don't pay as long as their paycheck gets deposited and their ATM card works. They don't grasp. Um, the magnitude of um, the economic peril that we're in, um, you know, and, and one of the things that I think the Alliance Party is going to have to do to separate itself from the other two parties is to take some pretty bold st- stands that say, if we don't do these things, here are the consequences to Gen X or millennials, et cetera, um, and 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 then have pragmatic solutions that are evolutionary rather than revolutionary. You know, I looked at your at at, at some of your governing planks. You know, healthcare, for example, and and there, uh, you're looking for interim solutions as well as a, a as you know a, a big solution. Fixing Medicare uh, it is actually quite simple. I, there is a great plan in Congress right now, but nobody will um, who has the clout will get behind it because it involves about a 50 cent a week tax increase. Joyce, there's two words that politicians never want to hear or use. Uh, They're both three letters and they both end with the letter X. One of them is tax. Mm -hmm. The other one starts with with S. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, so being being bold, creative and imaginative and honest, which is also what you're saying, being honest with the American people about the fact that we might have to all of us take some short term sacrifice in order to avoid long term disasters. That takes courage and it takes people who are willing, as I said earlier, to risk not getting reelected to move the nation forward. But if your only concern is staying in office, you're not going to come up with bold initiatives, and you're certainly not going to go against the big money interests, the special interests, like the insurance. You talked about health care. We know why we're not getting bold solutions to our health care problems that work. It's because of the special interest groups that are pulling, pouring hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into these uh, re-election war chests that these people depend upon. We know what the problems are. Like I said, we've got to start changing the game, unrig the system. And then I think more Americans will realize that they should be voting because they have a reason to vote for something as opposed to what's happening now. Every fiber, every fiber of my being agrees with you. And we're going to take a really quick commercial break. And then we're going to finish up with Jim and we're going to talk about next steps. 
back to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with Jim Rex of the Alliance Party, and we've got three minutes to wrap up. So let's talk about um, next steps for the Alliance Party and how people can find your website. One more time, Jim. The- okay. Thank you, Joyce. Uh, TheAllianceParty.com is the national uh, website. And put CA dot in front of that, TheAllianceParty.com for California. You can also do the same for any of the other states. Okay. We have 22 states now. We're on our way to having 50. And in the meantime, we need people who are willing to be volunteers, who are willing to step up and be this new type of candidate that you and I have been talking about, and to spread the word that there is a new choice, a new day, if you will, in American politics, and uh, we're going to make it work. And it's an exciting time, but we need a lot of help. And here are the two things that we're going to do. Um, off the air, you're, you and I are going to, um, you could help me make a contact with with Mr. Dawes, I'd like to have him come and talk about what you're doing in California. I think that would be interesting for our listeners. And then I'd like Great. to have you come back uh, if you if you're willing and talk about in depth um, positions about some of the issues like education and Medicare, the sustainability of Medicare, and above all else, how to tackle the national debt in a way which most Americans will be able to understand. If you're willing to do that, we'd love to have you back. Joyce, I will talk with you anytime, anywhere. Oh, hey, that that might become a threat, you see. there. Char- <laughs> Charleston's on my bucket list. <laughs> and I have to thank you very much for your um, for all your time this morning, and I'll be in touch um, early this week. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and 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 um, will um, and do you have any closing thoughts in this last minute that we have left? I just want to say to all of those Americans who are frustrated and who are on, maybe on the edge of giving up, or maybe even haven't voted, please get back involved. This is too important to not participate actively in. And we hope you'll look at the Alliance Party on our website, look at those tenets you mentioned. And we'll look forward to having Jim back, and we'll look forward to another conversation next week um, at the same time. And in the meantime, reimagineamerica.org, and you'll find a podcast of this program. Have a great day, everyone. And we're out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.